tonight I want to begin by just sharing uh, one of my teachers of the day. And it happened to be a little chickadee. I don't know how much you've observed chickadees, but they are quite amazing. They have such a courageous heart. They are these little tiny birds that are so brave. You know, we have a feeder near my house, and in filling up the feeder, if there's any other birds around or chipmunks or squirrels, whatever kind of wildlife there is, they just it disperses. But not the chickadee. It will sit there. You can talk to it. You know, sometimes out in the woods here, the chickadees are so used to people that they'll light on your hand. And, you know, today I was just struck. They're so small. They're so tiny. And they're so courageous. And I just found heart, you know, in facing challenges in my own life. You know, just that that, that was a quality that I could draw upon. I was inspired by So now for the real talk. (laughs) Um, Tonight I'm finishing up a series on the five spiritual faculties, that of faith, energy or effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And tonight will be the wisdom piece. But rather than summarizing the other faculties in the beginning, I'm going to save it for the end and just launch into more of the wisdom. Today was, in other ways, a day of reflection. And, you know, at some point, I just found myself awed by what it is to be a human being. You know, just really directly, immediately looking at circumstances of life, looking at conditions, looking at what we get exposed to as human beings and the different situations we get faced with, you know, just living on this planet. Oh, it's just the complexity of not being the only one on this planet, you know, that we live in relationship to others. And, you know, then to have this mind that's constantly looking, trying to figure out, trying to understand, wanting. Ah, you know, it's huge what we face as a human being. And, you know, out of that, it seems no wonder that we have gravitated to a practice like Vipassana or insight meditation, you know, where this is a practice that is about understanding, about seeing things as they are. And, you know, I can see, like, there's this tendency that at times life is so uncomfortable. It's so unpleasant. And... You know, sure there can be this tendency in the mind to go where things are better, to, to want happiness. And, you know, because of our misperception, because we don't see clearly, we just keep seeking it in the wrong ways. But at some point, we start to wise up to this. We start to see. You know, and, you know I've spoken about faith and having some inkling of possibility. And, you know, this is really, within that inkling of possibility, is not only faith, but is an aspect of wisdom. You know, where there is some, you know, even hint of an intuitive knowing, a wiser place than this confused mind. And so... You know, here we find ourselves doing a practice that is really called a wisdom practice. And it's it's helping us to touch into the capacity that is already there, that is wise, that knows kindness, that is responsive. When I was reflecting on what to say about wisdom itself, you know, the, the Buddhist teachings are vast 
in, even in the articulated <coughs> word of how wisdom is spoken about. You know, there's different ways you can frame wisdom, different angles that you can come at it. You know, one can speak of it by way of, you know, the three characteristics that reveal insight. You know, where, where we see into the nature of experience, we see that which is true and, you know, helps to uproot the grasping in the mind. We can come at wisdom by the way of understanding of cause and effect, understanding karma, you know, understanding that, you know, this isn't a haphazard unfolding that's happening here, in that by paying attention to the seeds that we plant will, you know, be the garden that grows, you know, that there's this aspect of cause and effect which underlies this unfolding of this body-mind experience. And then there's the way of looking at wisdom through understanding the Four Noble Truths, that the, the truth of suffering, that there is suffering that we encounter through having this body-mind and that there's a cause to the suffering and you know, the cause of suffering being craving and that there is an end to the suffering and that there is a path leading to the end of suffering. You know, these are all different ways that wisdom can be spoken about. And you know, in reflecting on it, reflecting on the vastness of wisdom, it also was awe-inspiring. You know, just to to realize that wisdom in itself is boundless, is vast. And then to have the recognition that as human beings we can realize this we can get in touch with an intuitive knowing, an inherent wisdom. And this is what our practice is about. Our practice is a journey of discovery, of looking, understanding, listening. How fortunate we are you know, just to, to have come in contact with the teachings, to have this opportunity for practice, to look in our own experience, to come to know for ourselves And this wisdom, which is vast, expansive, this wisdom that really, in essence, there are no words for, which you know isn't a fault of the teachings that we can't clearly define, articulate. It's just so inexpressible. And in its vastness, it's also profoundly simple. I'd like to share a poem by Miozhen. I think uh, it's the Chinese way of saying Miozhen. And so I really don't know too much about her, except she lived in the 13th century, and she was said to be very good at calligraphy. This is her poem. In the shade of two trees and the hanging green of the cliffs, the lamp for a thousand years broke open the dark barriers. I, too, now realize that phenomena are nothing but a magic show and happily grow old among the mist, the rivers, and the stones. Through our practice, discovering wisdom, understanding that allows us to be human beings, 
to be just what we are, to live in whatever way unfolds, but to find a peace and an ease with that whole experience rather than to be tossed about on the stormy waves of sickness, old age, and death. The wisdom that we discover helps us to live on the level of the relative, helps us to honor this body-mind experience, but not be bound by misperception, not be bound by believing it is something that it's not. We learn to live on the level of the relative, with the wisdom of the Absolute. (coughs) On the level of the relative, we begin to see clearly for ourselves this body, this mind, all subject to change, continually changing, all impermanent. We begin to see that to look for happiness in these experiences will only bring suffering because it's so fleeting. It's not the place that lasting happiness can be found. And we begin to see that this body-mind experience is interdependent. Conditions arising in relationship to cause and effect, and continually changing. When we see into what you may have recognized, as I've just spoken about, is these three characteristics, the seeing of anicca, or impermanence, dukkha, or the unsatisfactory nature of experience, and anatta, the impersonal, or insubstantial nature of experience. When we start seeing this moment to moment in our experience, breath by breath, step by step, sensation by sensation, thought by thought, seeing it, not in some miraculous wowzer experience, but just what is right now, and seeing it as it is, We see these characteristics, and it just helps to uproot that clinging, grasping, identification. And then the trust, the confidence, the ease, not trying to do the impossible anymore, not trying to make something happen which is impossible. It's so much freer, so much wiser. Ajahn Buddha Dasa, a Thai forest monk, spoke of an effect of practice, that we find our proper place amidst all things, where there's a sense of being at home, at peace, with what is, wherever we are, whatever is. And of course this doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant. It doesn't mean that this body is not going to age, decay, die. But it means the relationship (coughs) shifts, changes. We aren't trying to hang on to the young, youthful, healthy body. But we accept the body in its nature. We accept mind states in their nature. There's not the struggle, not the fighting. It really allows us to take a seat in life 
to live with integrity. Wisdom is what the Buddha spoke of as being both the beginning and the end of the Eightfold Path. We need wisdom in order to begin our journey. The Buddha spoke about wisdom by way of right view and right intention. Right view relates to, on the relative level, being able to understand the law of cause and effect and the implication this can have on our lives. To be able to discern, you know, to see clearly for ourselves what is skillful, what is helpful, what will just lead to more suffering. And when we really pay attention in our own experience, which is, you know, seeing a thought arise in the mind and it's unwholesome, knowing that we don't need to feed it. You know, there is an understanding of karma, an understanding of cause and effect right there. You know, so it's not something difficult, hard to grasp. We just begin to see as we practice, as you, you know, so many of you have expressed that to feed mind states that lead to suffering becomes painful, tiring, exhausting. And so wisdom kicks in. Don't need to do this. We see what's helpful. We see what's useful. And we encourage that. That's the garden that we grow. The other aspect of right view being when we come to understand and realize within our own experience, the Four Noble Truths. Now we've really come to understand the truth of suffering, the cause of suffering, the cessation, the end of suffering. And, you know, it's not haphazard. There's understanding, there's wisdom there that sees, knows, and lets go, lets be. The understanding of the Four Noble Truths takes us to the highest wisdom, the deepest wisdom, the wisdom that comes through direct experience. The other aspect of wisdom in the Noble Eightfold Path being that of right intention or thought, thoughts that are free of greed, hatred, and delusion. When we begin our practice, we need to have some borrowed understanding. It becomes helpful. It gives us a context for what we're doing. It helps to set our minds in the right direction. We get right information Bhikkhu Bodhi, uh, probably many of you are familiar with him, he's done wonderful translations of the Pali suttas or the teachings of the Buddha. Um, he talks about you know, right view or this context for understanding being very similar to just how we use a map. And that you know, if we're traveling from point A to point B and we have no map and don't talk to anybody about where we're going, we can easily get lost. We can travel around in circles, uh, not find our way. And yet if we do something as simple as get a map, talk to people who've been there before, it gives us direction. It gives landmarks. It becomes very helpful.
in our lives, if we have no context, no context for the suffering that we encounter, it becomes overwhelming. And you can just see this in the case of a small child, a baby. When they're in pain, that's all that is known in that moment. And it can be overwhelming. If they're hungry, they don't know when food is going to come. You know, they can't say, oh, you know, it's quarter to 12, 15 minutes, and there'll be food. They have no idea. And it's just this gnawing hunger. It's overwhelming. When we first start to practice, if we've not heard anything about the hindrances, they can be overwhelming. You know, that we start sitting and we get really sleepy, and you know, we think, oh, I shouldn't practice, I should just go and sleep. Or we get restless and we think, I should just go and walk. There's no, no sense that there's skillful means to work with this. You know, just a little bit of information becomes so helpful. So with that, we want to make sure that the view, the information, the understanding is that which is in accordance with the way of things. So it will, the right view that we can listen to through the teachings of the Buddha is, to me, I, I, my sense of it is, I see the Buddha having you know, done all of the practice he did in his life. You know, and you know, he didn't just immediately become awakened. He worked hard. You know, he did some very austere practices. Uh, he was really dedicated, persevering. You know, it's said to have taken him lifetimes. Um, and yet there was some profound transformation that happened in his mind that was you know, the blossoming of wisdom. And then from that place, it's like seeing him as if he's sitting on the top of the mountain and he's, he's looking downwards, seeing people caught in confusion and just pointing to the most direct way to the top of the mountain. And so, you know, we can take his teachings as a context, as a guide <coughs> to what can help turn our minds towards truth, what can help turn our minds in the right direction. And then we will get information. We get information about how to practice, and we have to listen to that. We have to listen intelligently. It's another form of wisdom. It's you know having to reflect in our own experience, having to understand, take in this information, having to apply it. And then this can take us into the even deeper form of wisdom that is to have direct and immediate experience of the way things are. With wisdom, it's really important to see that there you know, is different facets to it. Yet, we do um, gain some sense of direction from others. We hear information, have some intellectual understanding. But we don't stop there. That this, these teachings offer us a path of liberating insight. where we know deeply for ourselves. With this, it's important to keep an active investigation you know, as we practice, there can be profound moments, moments 
where we do see things in a whole new way, moments where we touch into a depth of peace that we've never experienced before. But we keep going, not stopping, keep looking, keep understanding. I'd like to share some, a teaching from Sayada Utejaniya, one of my teachers from Burma. He says, no matter how experienced you are, no matter how much more knowledge you have than anyone else, never be satisfied with the wisdom you have acquired for the depths of the insight you have had. Do not limit yourself. Always leave the door wide open for new and deeper understandings. Bankai, a Zen master, says it in another way. The farther you enter into the truth, the deeper it is. We're on a deepening journey of discovering limitless wisdom. We find this deepening wisdom coming from a wholehearted attention to this moment, an attention that is not grasping or wanting, not trying to get something, not trying to get rid of something, an attention that stays steady accepting. Sometimes, for me, there's a sense of listening, receiving. Doing this moment by moment, without expectation, being with just this as it is. The insight that happens through our practice is nothing that can be created, nothing that can be fabricated. It's these moments of seeing things in a whole new way It's not filtered through our ideas and beliefs. Moments of insight are really of complete simplicity, too. I mean, you know, it's sometimes seen the most basic thing. experiencing the arising of the abdomen and the knowing of it, and the falling of the abdomen and the knowing of it. And yet, when it's seen and known without filters, understanding comes. And yet, you know, if we try to share that with somebody, you know, maybe here on retreat it's okay, but outside of retreat... You know, some of the things that we really are profound as we practice in the world of chaos to somebody else, they might sound like nothing. So really not to be looking for a complex understanding. Let life be simple. Let Yourself be with experience in a very simple way.
through our practice, sometimes we experience uh, personal insights where we might have uh, some insight into a level of personality, events. You know, there may have been some contraction of heart. And then suddenly the whole thing is seen in a new light from a new vantage point. These personal insights, they don't come through analyzing, trying to figure out, trying to work through something. They too happen just through staying steady in the practice, letting it unfold. I've watched it over and over again in my own experience where, you know, there's something that's been troubling me, some some experience where the mind is deeply entangled, And so it arises, and there's, you know, maybe the scene of an image, remembering something, a thought. There's a feeling in the body, an awareness of this. And then there might come excitement, as if something's going to be seen in a new way. And then it disappears. And then, you know, just continuing on, whatever's happening, going on maybe a half a day, a day later, this memory comes up again, and it's seen again. And, you know, again, just being with it in its simplicity, how it's unfolding, not digging, not probing, just being with it on the level that it's exposing itself, disappears again. And then it can just happen. In one moment, suddenly the mind sees it in a clearer, freer way. Now, so we do find there is personality insights that happen. And they feel healing, you know, that, that there's a lightness that comes from it. There's more ease and space in the heart. They're helpful in our lives. And then there's the deeper level of seeing into the three characteristics of experience that I spoke about. Our practice is really removing the veils of ignorance, the confusion, the misperceptions. Just through this moment-to-moment connection with our experience and the willingness of heart to see things as they are and the steadiness of mind that comes about And this is, you know, the five spiritual faculties all work together to to help this wisdom to blossom. There comes a point in our practice where the faculties become very strong. They become dominant forces in the mind. And it's said that then they become unshakable and they become the five spiritual powers. And they become unshakable because they cannot be shaken by their opposites. We find that faith is not shaken by doubt. That energy is not shaken by laziness. Mindfulness is not shaken by forgetfulness. Concentration is not shaken by distraction. And wisdom is not shaken by ignorance. So these five spiritual faculties working together, faith, the inspiration, the sense of possibility. When it's strong, we find that effort naturally arises. And when effort is strong, when there's a perseverance, a willingness of heart to keep coming back 
moment by moment, mindfulness becomes strong. This mindfulness, this capacity to just see things as they are without adding to, taking away, analyzing. When mindfulness becomes more continuous, concentration strengthens. Concentration being the unification of mind, the capacity of mind to connect and sustain the attention with experience, bringing together all of the effort, energy in the mind. And this becomes the basis for wisdom. These are the allies that strengthen as we practice. Thich Nhat Hanh says of the five spiritual faculties, when they're practiced as bases, they are like factories that produce electricity. When practiced as powers, they have the capacity to bring about all the elements of the Eightfold Path, just as the electricity manifests as light or heat. The great power that comes forth through steady persistence, staying in touch with our hearts, our capacity that we have as human beings, having faith in that capacity, steadiness, the mindfulness. And remembering mindfulness isn't work. It's a refuge. You know, you wake up in the beginning of a day and you think, oh, how many moments of mindfulness till I go to bed at night? (laughs) You know, it looks like a lot when you look at it that way. But when you have the actual experience of being mindful in a moment, feel how much lighter that is, how much freer that is, how much more ease that is. It's our habits that are tiring. And so we begin to see mindfulness as the refuge. When we see this, you know, moment by moment, it strengthens, concentration strengthens. This too brings more ease. Makes the po- brings the power to the mind that can see clearly, that can know truth. And our task is not to give up, not to become disheartened. You know, the Buddha, he said, if it were not possible, I would not ask you to do it. It's within our capacity So looking in our practice to these five spiritual faculties. Actually, I'd like to close tonight with us doing just a short guided meditation where we actually look towards these qualities. Because it can be helpful to notice if one of these faculties is diminishing and how to help it come back into balance because that's where these, these faculties will strengthen, become dominant when they are balanced. And it's, you know, it's mindfulness that will help us to see this. So, if you'd just like to take a posture uh, where you can shift into just a reflective meditation. <clears throat> taking just a moment, a few moments, to really just settle into the experience of this body and mind.
not needing to do anything special. But to just know what is occurring. The experience of this breath, this body, sounds, thoughts, mind states. Noticing if faith is present. We can know faith through its qualities. There might be a trusting. The capacity to relax into the process. There might be a sense of confidence, understanding how to practice, a confidence in our capacity to do so. We might know faith through devotion where there's a wholeheartedness in how we practice. Turning up each moment as best we can. There might be a clarity of mind that's able to dispel doubt when the mind starts to waver a closer attention is brought a steadiness there becomes no room for doubt When faith is not present, sometimes it's helpful to get in touch with what brought us to practice. That sense of possibility that we experienced at some point in our life. Or something about the teachings that is inspiring. that helps to bring about a sense of confidence. Faith brings inspiration, but it needs the balance of wisdom to stay grounded, to stay truthful, to not be blind faith.
looking to see there's a sense of wisdom the wisdom initially coming from context for practice, understanding of what right view is, the information that helps support us as we practice, and the deep intuitive knowing that comes from a moment of simplicity, of seeing things just as they are, seeing things in their nature, When wisdom becomes out of balance, becomes dry, intellectual. We know things, but we don't live from the depth of that understanding. And so wisdom needs faith to stay committed to understanding and the embodiment of that understanding. Noticing if the quality of effort is present. Effort being perseverance. The perseverance of applying just enough energy to know the experience in this moment. the willingness, courageousness of heart to apply this effort moment by moment. Helps to strengthen energy. But this needs to be balanced with concentration or it moves into restlessness. Is concentration present? Connecting and sustaining the attention with the object of meditation, whether it's the breath and all its changes, whether it's open awareness. Brings about stability of mind. Power, unification. But it needs to be balanced with effort, or it moves into sleepiness, torpor. Mindfulness is what helps us to see these different faculties 
to know whether they are in balance. Faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. The allies, supports to awakening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.